0: This is getting better and better.
1: Thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast with us.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: And and you look wonderful as always. I mean, you're 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 by far the most the best dressed on the podcast today.
0: Well, thank you. I have showered in your honor today, even though you guys can't smell. Thank me, you. I every <laughs> now and then I don't look like a gym rat, so.
1: Well, that makes two of us. Miles showers once a week on Saturday nights.
2: Well, no, see, see, there you go again. There you go again. Just like the rest of society with your misinformation. <laughs> I just showered about an hour ago, and I cut my hair.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to ask some fact checkers on that one. I don't know about um... that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mindy, we like to start our show by um, asking our guests just kind of a kickoff question. Um, I'm I'm curious, what's making you laugh today besides us?
0: Well, (laughs) I have not had a lot of opportunities to laugh today with my daughter is doing summer school. She just graduated from high school. And so... We were. Try- I was trying to help her with papers, and we were having issues before that. But, um, I what has made me laugh? You know, I have a guilty pleasure, and I don't watch very much TV. And the thing that probably makes me laugh the hardest right now is Shit's Creek.
1: Oh yeah, you know yeah, that's a, a lot friend. of people yeah.
0: love
2: that show. I want to watch it. We, we've heard that
1: it. several times on this show. Yeah, we really have.
0: It. Oh my
1: Moira. god,
0: Moira. More, yeah, it is the most, the best cast, the best writings. If you want a moment to just sit and laugh, that's your. You go watch an episode of that.
1: There's something about Eugene Levy and Dan Levy on that, where they. Oh I mean, obviously, you know, father and son. There's going to be some chemistry there, but yeah. those two together are just unbelievable. I think Eugene Levy's one of the best, like the greatest comic geniuses. He's the the. the, the it's almost like he plays the same person in everything he's in, but you, you, you laugh anyway,
0: oh, like you're just dying. Perfect. And it's cool. Cause his daughter is in it too. So the sister is, oh, in that's it right. I itself. forgot. And so they are just, that is a talented family.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I thought my family was pretty cool and I was just the black sheep, but that is, a, that is a talented family.
0: Yeah, you would like it. I hear, I think I'm all prepared because I've listened to your podcast and I'm like, I've never heard you ask someone what what makes them laugh. I always thought it was what inspires us. Well, (laughs) we we have a couple different ways.
2: We change it up.
1: Well, and with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast working on his push-ups by picking up the M&Ms that are on the floor with his mouth. Our resident intellectual himself in Oberlin, Ohio is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Thank,
2: thank you very much for that, again, misinformed um, thing about me. It's not M&Ms. Sorry. It's, it's a deck of cards. It's not even Skittles. <laughs> it's a deck of cards and you saw it on my Instagram yesterday. So yeah. get Yeah, your glad facts you're doing right.
1: the push-ups again. Boy, and in you the really mountains in of
2: today's U- information go
1: ahead yeah right in the mountains of Utah I am Steve Cutler today's guest is a woman who is going to inspire you to both evolve your body and evolve your soul we are really fortunate to have Mindy Buxton joining us Mindy welcome
2: yeah welcome Beautiful. Mindy
0: thank you guys.
1: Yeah, we are really fortunate. Uh, So, guys, Mindy Buxton has a Bachelor's of Science. She is a certified strength and conditioning coach and is a CPFT. She has worked in the health and fitness industry since 1996. She's been a fitness and food coach at the Life Center Athletic Club in Sandy, Utah for over 25 years, providing personal training and online coaching to a wide variety of clientele. Mindy's also the author of the Body Joy Plan, the Body Gym Exercise Catalog, and is the creator and master trainer of the Body Gym Certification Program. Mindy's online food and fitness programs extend to people all over the world, in addition to her in person clientele that she works with. She's certified as a strength and conditioning spec- specialist through the National Strength and Conditioning Association and a certified personal fitness professional through afaa mindy is also a certified cycling instructor she's been married to for over 19 years to tj buxton general manager of the life center athletic club in sandy utah and is a proud mother of two beautiful active daughters mindy's been a regular fitness preventer presenter on qvc working with marie osmond for body gym She's filmed uh, fitness and food segments for KSL, was ABC's fitness expert and personal trainer for the ultimate makeover on ABC4's morning show, Good Things, Utah. Mindy's also been featured as the fitness expert on Fox 13's morning show. Mindy is presented at many fitness conferences and is a sought after coach for medical professionals, workshops, spas, and resorts. Mindy's a great example of practicing what she preaches, she's been able to transform her own body, overcoming health, weight, and body image issues, and she's also a proud finisher of several marathons and triathlons. Miles, you drove a marathon once, didn't you? I sure did. Thank you. Mindy Buxton, welcome to the Evolve podcast. We are really excited to have you.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, what a what a treat. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm but I but I gotta say, I'm glad you and I got on the phone the other day and talked. Uh, because let's face it, I mean, if if we just had no direction, this episode could go in 50 different directions, and you and I could probably talk for at least 24 hours on all things health and fitness. We're just that nerdy. I
0: know we love it, don't we?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I'm
2: glad and I'm glad in that introduction, Steve cleared himself up when he said fitness preventer
1: (laughs) did i say oh presenter right thank you no you
2: you you cleaned it up you cleaned (laughs) it up did i
1: good yes you did i get a little tongue-tied when i do those things thank you
2: okay
1: So Mindy, I, you know, we talked about I we love discussing health and fitness. We've been talking about it for over two decades, but I want to dive in and really start with discussing the difference in how you coach people. You get great results, right? I mean, hands down, anybody that knows you and anybody that sees the, the clientele you work with, you get great results, but you don't focus on weight loss within a specific time. You take more of a lifestyle approach. So talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems like all of the programs out there that are like sexy and sensational and extreme, They're my goal. I feel like everybody knows how to lose weight, right? Everyone's lost weight and then they Mm -hmm. put it back on. So I wanted the focus to be not about weight loss, but about keeping that weight that you've been able to lose, keeping it away and sustaining that long-term. And so it's really just bringing people back to the basics and mastering those basics, because those are things that if done, if you're persistent and consistent, you will, you will have success long-term and you won't have to re-lose weight over and over again. But that is not, it doesn't, it's not sensational. It's, I'm not pushing proteins or powders or pills or anything like that. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of money. You're not going to lose everything and see results in two weeks. But it's life changing. And so that's why I that's that's why I do that approach.
1: Yeah, I remember years ago, uh, we had a trainer that had come to work with us. And she kept having conversations with both you and I to say, well, what do you guys think about this pill? What if we just put this into what we do? And, you know, just to give people a kickstart. Mm -hmm. And We held our ground and said, no, this is not what we're all about. We want to create this lifestyle change. And man, we got blowback from that. I mean, that she was so angry. And I remember hearing Mindy and Steve, they, they told me I couldn't do this. And then they stole my program and now I'm leaving and they're horrible people. And how prevalent is that, that people are just looking for this quick fix let's get you kick-started with this pill. Let's get you kick-started with this crazy diet. But you've stood the ground for over 20, 25 years in the business. Yeah. Is that right? My
0: 25th year anniversary in, in March. So, yeah, but I just, I mean, there's been so many fad and trends that have come and gone since we were certified at the beginning. Right. But yeah. there's the reason why I even ended up writing a book is because I felt like I didn't have a resource that I could refer people to that didn't take something to an extreme because Hmm. almost everything out there, there is some type of crutch, whether it's a supplement or um, doing eliminating a food group or something. But then that is unsustainable. We can't do that long term. We weren't made to live off of only part nutrients, right? Our bodies need all nutrients and good forms of it. And we need minerals and vitamins and all the stuff that the food provides. And so it just, it's something that I, once people started seeing results and then keeping it off, I'm like, this is the way I have to do things. But then I decided I've got to put all these strategies in book form and then this is what I can say, okay, go read this then. If this is what you wanna do and you never wanna have to worry about dropping again, this is our plan. And I kind of wrote it in um, strategy, plat- a, a platform that way, instead of like reading it from page one to the end. So if there's certain things you're struggling with, you go and you read about those strategies, you implement, mm. there's things to actually practice. And I'd have to say, so this, my book is 11 years old and 95% of it, I still use to this day, the 5% that are things that I would change some of the food knowledge that we had about certain foods back in the day Mm -hmm. right now, I would recommend people eat some of those, but, um, I learned a long time ago, it's not about giving someone a food list. It's about helping them figure out what foods they like within the strategies, but I think with how marketing is, and it's sad that they can market the way they do because it's so unregulated about all of the products out there and, and they, it's a multi, it's probably a billion dollar industry now instead of a million dollars. Oh, for dollar sure.
2: Industry, yeah.
0: Right? yeah. Yeah. Right. And so they spare no expenses on trying to make it look like a quick fix. And yeah, when you read things or you see those infomercials or you see those commercials, it makes it so tempting to think, oh, there's a shortcut to this. But I think every person has probably tried one or two of those and you know that it's not sustainable and it doesn't lead to long-term fat loss, inch loss, health. And so that, that was what I just thought I have to f- have something that I use and, and I still go by a lot of those things today. My online challenge has evolved from just taking about eight of those strategies in my book. And then we work on that through a four week window. Um, mm-hmm. I've been able to implement body gym with it too. And so it gets the formula. I have years and years of data. I track everybody's inches and they're, um, they're, Weight loss and how many points they get a week for doing all the good things or the healthy things to help you see results. And I can tell you when you follow the program, 80%, you don't have to be 100%, which is awesome because so many of us go into diets or new food regimens or workout regimens and think, oh, I have to be perfect. You do not have to be perfect to see results but you will not right. see results if you're doing 50% of a plan and 50% whatever you want.
1: Miles, that's also, why your 80% donuts and 20% vegetables aren't working for you.
0: Why Why are you coming
2: at me tonight? Did I do something <laughs> wrong? Is this something uh, I missed? We'll it's coming later. at me tonight. Anyway, <laughs> anywho, I was going to say, um, and I would like you to speak to this. It's, it's interesting when a person first comes to see you or a trainer and they want to get in shape or whatever it is they want to do, there's a dramatic difference between when you start, when you've arrived at your goal, and then the maintenance.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the two, are, it's, it's almost like they're two different methodologies because clients have a tendency to, once they hit their goal, almost relax a little bit And that's when the other methodology of sustenance, sustaining should come in. And that should be a whole nother set of ideas to maintain it.
0: Yeah. And that you hit a great point, Miles, because the industry only talks about loss, right? They only talk about loss changing. Nobody tells you it's as much effort and work to maintain those results as it is to get them. Yeah, you can maybe sometimes increase a little bit in your food or by the time. And, and the thing that I kind of try to do miles with the strategy is it helps you learn those maintenance right. actions and behaviors as we're doing the weight loss. And so, right. but yeah, the, it's just so sad that we never focus on the after part of losing because the people that are selling things and wanting you just to lose weight, it's not, their focus is just buy my thing right now. And I'm going right. to tell you what you want to hear. And it's a short-term quick fix because we're all, nobody has a lot of time. And quite frankly, we're tired and we don't want to put in a lot oh. of effort, but right. to do it right, it's a slower process than what we would like most of the time.
2: And I love the way I'm you like- said that those two words, actions and behaviors, yeah. because it's a whole nother set of actions and behaviors. It's like almost, we're done with this. Okay. You were success. You did that. But now we have a whole nother system of actions and behaviors that you have to incorporate to sustain all of the success from the first actions and behaviors. So I could see that easily how people get lost in that shuffle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The
1: actions and behaviors create the lifestyle.
0: Exactly. And that's what it's about. It's not about food and it's not about exercise. <clears throat> Those are two elements Right. of what we need to do, but there's so many other things that play a factor in if your exercise and food choices will even show up in your results, right? And so the, so that we focus on, one of the things too that I feel like is hard for people, um, that's where coaching comes in. And right, nothing great happens on our own, right? Nothing right. in right. history ever happened by individuals without teams everyone that excels and who evolves and is great in business, they have mentors and coaching programs. And Mm so um, the great thing about technology now is the online accountability. Most of these, not only, I mean, when Steve and I started, we were only, if you lived by us, that's how we could train you we were limited to in-person, you had to be with us, but now with technology, you can have yeah. group Facebook groups is where, what I run my online challenges through. And then you have not just your coach, but a group of anywhere from 40 to a hundred individuals who are doing what you're doing, who can give you advice, who can be there when you're struggling. And you say, man, today, is a hard day. This is what I'm going through. And then you get that accountability. So many people think, oh, if it's, if I'm eating right and exercising, then everything should work out. But accountability and, and being held to those behavior changes and actions that you need to do daily, that is such a big part of your equation for success. But I don't think people really, um, give it the weight or the credit that is due for when you have that accountability factor, you can thrive so much better. Yeah,
1: Yeah. there's a tribe with everything we do. We have a tribe of people around us that help us to get to that result. And I think that's one of the things that you've done a great job over the years. Now you're doing it online, but you're also doing it in person. And when you and I worked together years and years ago, you were doing it in person where you would bring people together and say, okay, you're all now on this path. And that helps people because they can relate, they can emote to another person, and then they can empathize with what that person's going through and say, wow, I'm, I'm on the same page. I want to jump back just a minute, though, Mindy, to talk about at the beginning of the podcast, you talked about how you're a boring person. I think there are a lot of great boring people out there. Warren Buffett is one of the most boring people out there, but he's also one of the richest people in the world. And by boring, meaning that he is repetitious in what he does. And that repetition has made him the most influential and the most successful investor in the world. Now, you may say, hey, I'm a boring person, but you have not only created great results for your clients, you've also created great results for yourself. And it's that boring, repetitious way that creates these results. So talk about in the midst of this boring lifestyle, as we may call it, how do you keep things sparking? How do you keep the interest going?
0: go well a few different things when if you're talking about workout interest and fun with that i do not participate in activities that i don't like and so Mm -hmm. i make sure that everything i do movement wise is something that i love doing whether it's cycling or running or lifting um it doesn't mean that it's easy when i do them but if i don't love swimming i'm not going to get in the pool or I, I don't think that every single person, because I love to cycle, that is not the only way to stay fit or to help your heart strength and your heart health. And there's, it's about finding something you love and then making sure that you variety gives you results. And so even though I'm repetitious in doing my exercise, I never do the same thing twice in a week. And so my, my variety of what I do is different. If I am doing legs and I do legs twice that week, it will look very different from day one to day three that I do them. And so changing your load, changing your speed, changing your, um, what exercises you're doing. And so variety inside of that regimen of getting my workouts in, I keep that there. And then same with food. I, I, don't care if it's healthy or unhealthy, air quotes. If you don't love something, don't eat it. Like we only yeah. should be eating those things that we love. And so-
1: <laughs> I, I love that you said that. I had this conversation yesterday at work. I walked into the break room area and there are three of our employees sitting around. And a couple of them were going back and forth on these quote unquote healthy meals that they make. And they're like, well, it really smells bad and the taste isn't that good. But I got my husband to eat it or, well, my boyfriend ate this and I got them to eat it. And I just started laughing and my sarcastic side came out. Danielle told me I probably needed to go into work today and to, and to apologize to him <laughs> because my sarcastic humor came out. But I looked at him, and I said, I can't believe you're saying this. Like, I, I've never had anyone come over to my house for dinner And I've had to convince them to eat the food I made. It's beautiful. It tastes great. There's a lot of nutrients in it, but I'm 100% with you that if you eat what you enjoy, and it's great food, you're gonna get the nutrients there. But if somebody tells you you have to eat broccoli because it's healthy and you hate broccoli, you ne- will never get healthy because you now have this dogma that you're going to have to do that thing.
2: Okay. now I, I love how you're wagging
1: your, you're I, wagging your finger at I,
2: everybody. I agree 99.9% with you guys.
1: But All right.
2: that 0.1% that, right. is the relationship I have with my son. I tell him because food has exploded in the last 20 years, mm. that You have to try something, and we, my ex-wife and I, we came up with this arbitrary number. The number is eight. You have to try something eight different ways that you don't like, eight different ways before you can truly say, I don't like that. If you can do that, then we will never ask you to try anything again of that particular food. And I reference the pizza at the Lifetime Cafe because Tiago hates, he hates tomatoes, hates them. But he loved the tomatoes on that pizza.
1: Oh, that was those were great tomatoes. They were fresh.
2: Yeah, he loved yeah. those tomatoes. And when I made him eat it, I said, Tiago, I know you don't like tomatoes, but you have never had tomatoes like this. Made the style. He ate it, and it hit him like, okay, and now at 13 years old, he'll try something a lot before he comes to the conclusion that he doesn't like it. So I think people can also should be open enough to learn to like something, to play with it in many different forms,
0: only yeah, agree. because
2: Agreed. food has exploded so much.
0: Yeah, I yeah. agree with that actually too, Miles. And I you and your ex-wife were dang close to, I want to say there, and I should have looked it up before I start throwing out numbers, but there is a stat It's like, okay. We don't
1: we don't fact check anything okay, except for Miles push-up it. challenge.
2: As as evidenced <laughs> by Steve's like <laughs> 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 Yeah.
0: Um, I want to say yeah. it takes about nine introductions for your palate to change. And so right. I do think oh, wow. that, that is really good that you got out with your son because I, I do agree with that. When you're talking about trying to see if you like something, let's not just give it one chance because that, that tomato was a great example. My daughter thought she didn't like Brussels sprouts. Well, she didn't okay. like them boiled and she didn't like them roasted but i bought them shredded once and they were supposed to be a raw salad but i decided to saute them in coconut oil on the stove and i seasoned them and i think i threw some uh pumpkin seeds in it and i was eating it as my own kind of leftovers the next day and she's like i want some of that salad and so i gave her some and then she's like, what is that? I need some more of that. And I was like, well, it's actually Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and you can like Brussels sprouts. And she's like, well, I oh, we like them this way. And so yeah. I do love that we've got steaming and roasting and boiling and raw and all these ways we can try nutritious foods to see how we like them. And maybe for some people, too, Something raw might hurt your stomach, but then when you cook it, you have right. a totally yep. different experience with it. And so, so I think that was an excellent point that you brought up.
1: I, like, I, I think that's some, uh... it's a great point, though. It, it's it's not just like try the different ways of eating it, but because you're talking about like you shredded it up so there's a textural right. piece to it, right? Right, there's exactly. an experiential piece to it. I love I, so a few years back. There's a Miles. What's the name of that uh, show? Chef's Table. Um,
2: oh, Chef's. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you and I got onto that idea of Chef's Table on on Netflix. Mindy, have you seen that?
0: I haven't.
1: You you oh got to watch God. it. It's on Netflix. Watch the first season. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Francis Mallman is a uh, an extremely amazing chef, but he lives in Patagonia. Argentina area and all of his cooking is done outside and there's this raw feel to it. I mean, they (laughs) they wrap stuff in banana leaves and they bury it under the ground (laughs) and then they make these massive fires and they roast things out there. And it's a, I mean, it, I, I can't even remember how many Michelin stars that this guy has for this uh, the, the, this restaurant that he has. They cook everything outside or under the ground. I watched that and it changed my entire outlook on food. And I started going outside and cooking and making things and thinking nutrition for me has just exploded. So I yeah. love what you're talking about, not just with the movement, but with what you're eating how you're preparing it, that that variety can allow you to be the boring person that continues to get great results. But you're also planning variety in there. Talk a little bit more about variety, Mindy, because I think that when you're talking about your training, that it's different each week so that, you know, now that you've been doing this for over 25 years, you still stay engaged. How do you build variety into your clients' programs?
2: I can tell you, not boring either. I just want to get that in there. I think we should get rid of this word boring. There's nothing boring about she you.
1: She wouldn't. She wouldn't be on this podcast if we thought she was boring. Uh, we'll,
2: just well, I guess. I mean, you're on this
1: podcast. <laughs> you're boring. What do I?
0: oh All right. That's our low bar right there. We'll change it for consistent. How about that? There you go. Good. And Thank here's you. one thing about whether at first something that is consistent or even that word boring. It, it sounds like it doesn't give you a lot of freedom, but when you follow, uh, when you have a regimen in your life and it's predictable and you check those boxes off, it gives you so much more freedom and yeah. joy and it adds to your life. I found fitness and exercise through Pr- frankly, my doctor recommended my senior year of high school. I had health conditions, and he said, "Look, I now that you're graduating, I think that your some of these symptoms can be controlled by lifestyle. I want you to go find mm. a personal trainer. I want you to go to back in the day it was called Wild Oats. It's Whole Foods now, but oh so yeah, yeah. they turned huge. They had a free nutritionist, and so as a brand new college student." I went and sought out that, a nutritionist that was free. I did find my personal trainer, which ended up being where I now work, and he ended up being mm. my biggest mentor. But by following the, that structure, my health improved so much that it changed the course of what I thought I wanted to do for my life, and that's how I got into it. And so, yeah, because you
1: were, what were you studying? What were you planning on going to when you went into college? Pre-law. <laughs> pre-law, that's right. I have a okay.
0: Degree in pre-law, not exercise yeah. or science.
1: Yeah, so and your I, whole life shifted because of this choice to get,
0: yeah. uh,
1: to change your lifestyle.
0: Yeah, and so, and I just thought, you know what, my trainer has the best job ever, even though I wanted to sit on a bench in a Robe and have a gavel and boss sentence people. Yes, I thought that that was what I wanted to do for my life, and I ended up. I guess I still boss people around, it's just a little more fun, and I don't have a gavel. But um, but you
1: could still wear a robe if you want. I I think I'd be all right. That's
0: that's probably we are a family gym, and that is not going to happen at our club, (laughs) (laughs) but with um exercise my goals over the year, my clients goals, when I work with them, I, I don't have a lot of new turnover with people, I have people that have actually been with me for 25 years. Yeah, and so yeah. goals have changed over that time. And sometimes we focus on athletic events. And other times they want to work on more just aesthetics or um, aesthetics or health. And so as every month, we sit down every four weeks, and we weigh in and measure and we talk about goals. And then the programming changes based on what their goals are. And so if they're for whatever reason, if someone's looking for more definition, maybe it's a time that we lift more or we lift a little bit different. There's people that know, what to do, but they won't do it on their own. Right. And so even though they have worked out with me for 25 years, they could come in the gym. They know what to pick up and do, but they don't want to think about it and be, and they just want to be told, tell me what to do and I will do it. And so, um, I just try to make sure I know who, what my person is looking for, what my person needs, and then just to keep variety in there because, without that variety, they stop seeing results, right? Our body will only change and respond. And you only evolve if you're under pressure or if you're under different circumstances all the time, nothing changes, right? When we're um, doing the same thing over and over without any added stress or change. Yeah. There's got to
1: be some different stimulus there. Yeah. Yeah. And so,
0: and so that's where the variety comes from. Sometimes it's, me calling the shots there's fun workouts that you can do with a deck of cards and they draw the numbers and i have the work the exercises and they're the ones that have the fate of deciding okay i drew 12 so now i'm doing 12 burpees and Mm. whatever so we do we have some just fun things to mix it up we have um a great pool deck right now it's fun to be outside when it's so beautiful right and early in the morning instead of in the middle of the day we're out on the the pool deck where we have trx's and body gym bands and Mm. i'll use the stairs we lunge around the pool deck instead of being inside lunging up and down the basketball court and so just any little variety to your change even just going outside versus inside or yeah um, any change will keep it more interesting and engaging for somebody. It's gotta, it's
1: gotta be fun, right? The the consistency is that you show up, you do the things on a regular basis, you find a way to get the, the foods that have got some nutrient density into what you eat on a regular basis. You, you create the habits of movement, but there's gotta be some fun. Now, Mindy, I know that your book and a big part of your coaching philosophy Revolves around this idea of body joy, and helping people to connect with this joy in your life. Talk to our listeners a little bit about the fun and the joy of this concept that you're that you're teaching your clients about. Well, I love I that think... phrase, body joy. I love beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, Thank it's beautiful. Yeah, it is.
0: I just feel like fitness is way more than just like your size. It's more than your body, but it it encompasses your spirit and your mind and your soul. And so if you don't have your health, it doesn't matter what size you are, right? If you don't have freedom to be able to live, have a, not just a long life, but your quality of life, what's Mm -hmm. the point in getting thin if you're in pain or if your health isn't good or, and so I just wanted people to know it. And in order to change, quite frankly, all of these areas in your life have to have some type of a, a balance or a relationship because everything affects each other, right? The way your thoughts That's a are
1: harmony right. between it all for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And your thoughts are most of the time when people are thinking, Oh, it's just, I just need to fix my food no, it's not really, you need to fix your food. Most of the time we're using food as a coping mechanism, not for nourishment. We need to fix what issue is going on. So we're using food the right way.
1: Yeah, right. It, it's, it's funny. I, I don't want to go too far off on, on this, but I, I, I want to touch on what you're talking about because years and years ago, you and I would sit down and we'd write programs for people and we'd give people food lists and mm-hmm. dietary plans and whatnot. At a certain point, I found that that was a waste of time. You said that you don't do that anymore. I, my experience, Minnie, and tell me if you you've seen the same thing or if I'm off base here. It's about the relationship that people have with their food, with their eating. It's not so much about are you eating the right thing, but do you have a good relationship with food, with your body?
0: Yes, and with body image and with yourself. Yeah. Because right. All of that plays in to what your behavior is gonna look like. And yeah.
2: That- I, th- I, th- I think it has it's funny that we're using we're talking about the relationship people have to food. Um, thinking about my relationship, well now it's dramatically changed, but I think most of our relationship with food is just unconscious because yeah. it starts when we're yeah. very little. And if you don't come from a family that thinks or considers food. You won't think and consider or, and consider food. And there you go. And now you're in the loop. You're in that kind of behavioral. This is what my parents did. I'm doing it and can't get out of it until somebody choice. comes along and jars you out of it. Yeah. And I remember in, living in New York City being jarred out of how I used to eat by people who ate well and would say, why are you eating that? What? Why would you eat something so unhealthy? Yeah. And it literally jarred me out of unconsciousness and just made me highly conscious of what I put in my body. So I just want to emphasize the people's unconscious relationship to food.
0: Yeah, that's so good, Miles. And also, I just think all of us are wired different. There's some people, too, that are extremely emotionally fueled and emotionally driven. They Mm -hmm. tend to be more food relational people, and then you get someone like, I have two people in my life that have zero, zero emotional eating ever. They literally eat to live. And and for someone whose brain works the way mine does, I just don't get that because I have like my next three meals planned and I'm looking forward to what I'm eating. And, and they are of the mindset that, oh my gosh, if food is such a pain because I have to stop it interrupts what I'm doing and, and it in, and not one is not good or the other isn't better or best. It's just knowing how you are and then you can create these habits to help support things to work for you. Because if I, if I was someone that just let my emotions run the show, I'd be living off a of chocolate and, <laughs> and you do
1: love I, your chocolate.
0: I do love my chocolate and yeah. Sadly, my kidneys don't love it as much as me, but (laughs) it's that's something that is like, I don't understand. My husband is one of the two people I'm talking about. You can have like something out on the counter and he'll open up, we'll say it's some treat. He'll open it up and he'll take two and then unopened packages right there. I'm kind of someone that looks at that and is like, oh, you finish it because you opened it, you finish it. And he's like, well, I'm not hungry. I just wanted to. And that is so weird to me that it's like, Mm. (laughs) and it can be out. it doesn't tempt him. If it's out, it's gonna go in my mouth eventually. Even if I want, it <laughs> and I'm not intentional about eating. That's
1: it. the line of the night. If it's out, it's going in my it's mouth. In I my love mouth. That. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Miles, that's our shirt from this episode.
2: That's the that's that's t-shirt.
1: <laughs> that's the t-shirt. t-shirt. <laughs> if it's out, it's going in my mouth, and then we will put like a big cheeseburger or something on it. I love it.
0: Uh, thank you, great. lady.
2: Thank Please you, see, lady Bob? Buxton.
0: <laughs> yes. But I just have to know, like, my I have to set my environment up to support me so I don't leave a, an unopened or opened food on the counter all day long. Because if I'm home, yeah, I have to eat it right.
1: Oh, I'm the same way, and, and I think a lot of people are. I think that uh, most people, if it's there they will go for it. You know, if I've got cookies oh, sitting out, it's just a matter of time until those things oh, are slammed in man. my mouth. Oh, no.
2: I I get my son. I get my son 3 to 4 days a week. His mother lives right around the corner from where I live, so it's really fluid. So when he comes over, I usually shop, but when he leaves my house, I take a shopping bag and I put all of his stuff in there. I go get this out of my house. Because at 2 o'clock in the morning, when the beast is alive and I'm roaming around, the first place I roam is refrigerated. Oh, he left his ice cream here. Ooh, he left those muffins. So I pack the bag and I go, here, take <laughs> this to your mother's house.
1: That's <laughs> a different person. Because at 2 in the morning, you're, that's the creative miles. You're sitting at the piano. You're composing. That's oh, a totally yeah. different person, right? We all have that person, whatever it yeah. is. And that person wants the ice cream at 2 in the morning. Remember
2: Newt from Aliens when they first meet the little girl and she yes. looks at her and she yeah. goes, "They mostly come out night. At night, mostly. That's yeah. me. Yeah, well, <laughs> well,
0: I'm my I'm my own alien. Well, that whole reason is one of the strategies I use is this: kitchen closes at eight o'clock. We stop eating at eight. There's all these health benefits for balancing hormones and um for burning fat and not brainwash giving yeah. your Yep, brain cleaning and letting yep. your body already be done with digestion so it can do mm-hmm. all these other jobs that it has to do that can only be done when you're sleeping. But quite frankly, if we're eating anything after eight o'clock, it's not gonna be vegetables, right?
1: No, that's right. No,
2: you are so correct. So- no, come on,
1: Mindy. My cookies are vegetables. That's how I class it. I I like that. I like that point. You know, it's funny because they don't eat after a certain time became very popular with Oprah years ago. And it was like, that's how I lost weight. Well, okay, that's fine. That's a strategy that helps you to reduce your calories so that you lost the weight. It's all about the energy balance that that's like the foundation of weight loss. But you just tapped on. or or tapped into something where there is some benefit to not eating after a certain point relative to when you go to bed. I was talking to a neuroscientist years ago that said that there is, if you stop eating after a certain point, about three to four hours before you go to bed, your body will actually uh, push the fluid through your brain quicker. And you go through this, what they call brainwashing, not brainwashing like we talk about generally, but a yeah, it detoxes and it washes the brain out, and you, you you have better cognition afterwards. And so, about two to three times a week is what this guy told me. You should be uh, you shouldn't eat anything for about three, four, five hours before you go to bed to go through this brainwashing, extremely beneficial mental health practice.
0: Yeah, and I can't tell you how much better. I didn't expect this to be a side effect when I started doing it. But my sleep improved so much. I, mm. I slept deeper. And I don't know if it's easier on your body when it isn't breaking down food versus when it's doing the digestive process, because that process will trump any of those other cleanup and balance right. modes that your body needs to do. Digestion is going to be first priority. And there's certain foods that take up to five hours to digest. But yeah. on the whole, they were saying if like two to the, the science, I agree that with what you read or talked about with him, it's like if you give your body two to three hours before you go to bed, stop eating, the odds are you're going to be able to benefit by all of those processes that t- need to take place that can only be done when you're asleep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, digest and rest. It's amazing what that does. And I think it's beneficial for mental health. And when we talk about joy, joy is a combination of the things that are happening in our body and in our mind and in our soul. When you're meeting with people, Mindy, what are some of the habits or beliefs that you see with people that are robbing them of joy?
0: Well, most of us are our worst critic and we're harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And so it, and I think a lot of people that come in are, they have either guilt or frustration that they need help because they're like, this is something that there's a million ways to exercise and to be healthy. I can't figure it out. And so Mm -hmm. helping them realize, look, you are A, it's great that you're reaching out for support when you need it, because if it hasn't been working on your own, that's the next step is to find someone to help coach you through it. And then I work a lot on, um, we write gratitudes or prouds every day. So like something that you're proud Mm. of, just getting those, your brain to, instead of looking at all those little mistakes that you make or where where you're at now versus where you want to be because everyone's always focused on I just want to be at my goal and I'm not at my goal but you overlook the fact that well today you got in a workout today you ate some broccoli today you stopped eating at 8 p.m. that's awesome and that's then when you have that little that recognition it's almost that saying that the small things are really the big things
1: yeah, when you start good point.
0: To your focus on that, it's a lot easier to feel and experience joy in the daily and in the process versus thinking your joy is going to come just with your result. Because I can tell you that my leanest, fittest person and my most clinically obese person, both of them have bad days. Both of them yeah. have bad days. Both of them know what it feels like to not fit in their clothes. And it, it's not about your size or where you're at that end goal. It's about being able to make sure you have joy in the process and that you know that your worth is not connected to your results, whether it's in business or with your body, that you are of worth irrespective of what you do and that you treat yourself that way. And so I love
1: that. I love what you're saying because I read something recently or heard it. I don't um that said that when you achieve a goal the the timeline for feeling great from achieving a goal is typically between 12 to four, 24 hours. Once that day passes, right whether it's a daytime or whether it's a full 24 hours, that that feeling of exuberance is gone. And so we think to ourselves, I'm going to get this amazing feeling by achieving this goal. Yeah, Yeah. maybe for a day. So if you haven't trained yourself, like you're talking about, to have joy in the journey, then you, great job. You had joy for 12 hours and then you're done, right? Yeah. That's not the brass ring that we're all looking for.
0: I know. It's just so, it's so sad how somewhere along the way we've all been conditioned though, that it's like the, the end of the big event is what it's all about. Right, and you. Right. I mean, you you and I have different athletics or different sports that we've done. And I know that, yeah, when you finish a race or something, it is amazing for the sure, 12, yeah. 24 hours, but then guess what? Now, if all of my worth was tied up in that event or me achieving that, then it's like you're lost afterwards on what to do. And like you with Mm -hmm. your figure figure contest, if you felt like the only good was being goal ready to be on stage and then winning there, that body isn't, you don't get to keep that body for very many days, right? And so there's gotta be more to it than just, it's a great thing to accomplish. It's a great thing to get to that point. But there's so many amazing experiences in the training or in these daily strategies or habits that you can have a sense of accomplishment and greatness and the tra- the self-discipline of training that little negative self-talk into looking at something positive that you do or, or complimenting yourself and it's such a better way to live and it helps you it you it radiates to other people in how you treat them and wanting to serve them it just yeah. it's not just about your exercise and your food it's about your life
1: yeah your whole soul is different at that point and i love what you're saying because i i've won several races when i was younger sprinting And I took, you know, when I competed, I did one bodybuilding competition. I took first place in my division. I took third overall. And I maintained that lean physique for about three days. And then it was back to normal. And okay, it felt good for 12 to 24 hours. But what feels amazing is those moments. I love the moment of being in the mountains, hiking, being able to hike, get to the top of the peak, see that deer run in front of me, be amazed at the way that the flowers smell. Like that moment, that joy that comes from the process that we go through, the joy that comes from pushing myself further than what I thought I could do. That's what, if we can chase that as a society, I think we've changed this epidemic um, obesity issue that we're running into.
2: You know, I've I've worked in many different professions. I, you know that, Steve. I've been a musician. Yeah. I've worked in fitness. I've worked in television. I've worked in film. And I can say this. I have met many people who have had success in all those different genres. And the minute they reached the pinnacle, there was something that they all said was anticlimactic about yeah, reaching yeah. the pinnacle. And if they didn't have the understanding of um, looking back and realizing the journey was the most exciting thing, some of them have gone on and had like almost kind of tragic lives because they couldn't see that the journey is really everything. And this is across many different professions and many different fields that I've heard people say, like once once I got there, now what? It was a feeling of emptiness. And it literally is about the journey and how do we teach people that this beginning, that your beginning is where this is the most joy you're going to get. It's not going to be when you get that last pound off and go, I've achieved my weight. Mm -hmm. It's getting there.
0: I love that, Miles. And I love it too, because I think you're speaking to where sometimes things outside of us, we feel like that gives us purpose. And then when people lose that, they lose themselves, literally. And I've had friends that have spiraled with with great success. It wasn't the people that didn't achieve their goals. It was very successful people. And then they either retired or moved on from what they were doing. And all of a sudden, their purpose, they didn't feel like they had any. And it just... Was not a good experience, but this way, if it's like, look, my purpose is self improvement on a daily basis, and I have all of these ways in my life that I can set up a win, and I could see a success, and I can celebrate something every day, and being out in nature and doing these things. I love how much you guys talk about creativity and what yeah. fuels you, and and using that as something <clears throat> to give you joy and. And purpose in your life. But some of the smallest things we do can help us be grounded in purpose. And then we're able to move on to the next thing. Or when we have those moments, because all of us have those crap valleys that we fall into and we're there for a (laughs) season and some seasons longer than others, right? And we don't make the best choices all the time. But if we're looking at things to where it's like, look, what can I do to better myself versus how can I need to punish myself or restrict myself so I can get to a goal when our approach is out of love and out of support for what you would like, your results show up so much better and your experience is better. And I venture to say that you're long-term success it's more sustainable that way because i mean i think i feel like a lot of people too think that the fitness world is about no pain no gain and only sacrifice and only struggle yeah there's struggle yeah sometimes things hurt but there's you don't need to have a mental approach of restriction and deprivation when we have an approach into okay i am healing cells and i want to give my body the best nutrients so it works with me not against my goals and that relationship with your how you approach your why it can change what your whole program looks like and two people could be doing the exact same thing but when your approach is from a healthier place of support and love and encouragement versus berating and restriction and punishing Mm -hmm. it, your end result will be totally different.
1: Yeah. Love and compassion starts internally. And I think that, What you're talking about, Mindy, is what the revolution and the evolution needs to happen in the fitness industry, that it's it's about love and compassion for oneself. You don't exercise because you need to get in better shape because you look bad. You need to exercise because you love yourself and you want to give your future self the better life, that comes with all of these amazing benefits but i love how you're also talking about this sense of identity of who you are and that this is what you do now you have an identity that you've created for yourself it's not about a goal you're not trying to achieve this body weight or you know physique goal you just have this identity of growth and progression And I I remember when you and I talked recently that you said that that's one of the things that has helped you during a really difficult time and also having some compassion for yourself as you went through the difficult uh, experience of losing your mother, that as a fitness professional and somebody who for 25 years has been committed to health and wellness, that you were able to continue to work through that. So. I'd love for you to talk to that, uh, talk about that to our listeners, because I think that it's a beautiful story of courage and identity that just our listeners need to hear.
0: Well, um, thanks. So three years ago, I lost my mom to cancer and I'm, like I said, I'm an emotional person. So commercials make yeah. me cry. So
1: me too. Yeah. You're making me cry right now.
0: <laughs> well, um, And I just kind of it it really did humble me in a sense of the way I how I train now, because in the past I've lost other people in my life. But when it's someone that it's like your person like that, Mm -hmm. it it is not the same as other things. And and I actually ended up having some um, trauma that came up and and. It was, I found myself as regimented and as structured as I was at that moment. I wasn't able to do my program the way that I teach people, the way that I tell people, the way that I would coach people, because I've had plenty of clients who've lost loved ones and I've had clients who've passed away from cancer and have Mm. coached their family members. And um It was a very humbling time in learning that yet you truly have to make adjustments. And my level of training at the time, that was when I was doing triathlon training. That was obviously way too much of a load for what I was dealing with and going through. Plus, it was a period of my life where it wasn't a luxury at the moment to be able to spend that time training. It was more important for me to be with other family members and to be helping um my dad and my sister and my kids and so i went through this phase where all of a sudden as the trainer i'm like wow i am not i'm far from my best right now and the i'm the one that people come to when they need help what am i what am i supposed to do and so I thought, well, my I need to practice what I preach. And so I actually reached out to a trainer that um, I have admired and I never had worked with him in the past, but I did some coaching with him to help me. And it was interesting. I thought he was gonna put me more on, okay, this is what we need to do and kind of get the regimen going. And his, more of his coaching was on, giving myself time and not having, cause I just thought, Oh, you hear that it takes people like a year to grieve and go through grief. And in my brain, I'm like, Oh, I'm doing this in six months. I'm, I'm, I've got this, I'm moving through it. And right. that's not how grief works. Right. And sometimes <clears throat> we don't get to call the timeline of how things go, especially with health conditions. And um, I felt like that, that was the first time in my life. I did feel like it was, I felt like my brain was literally hijacked because the way that I thought and my thought processes were just grief does a number on your, I, your neurons and how, and literally how you think. And I felt that reprogramming and it kind of freaked me out because that was not a way I was used to living. And so we worked a lot on that and getting back to looking at blessings and positives. And I don't know, have you had Todd Sylvester on your show before Steve?
1: Yeah. So Todd was one of our first episodes and we're actually dropping a couple of short episodes with him here. So oh, nice. as well. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I, he's been a friend of mine and I just felt one day I saw him when we were out somewhere And I just had this impression that was like, you know what? You don't need to be with a fitness coach right now. Maybe you should go talk to Todd. And um, it was one of the best things I ever did because he was the one I feel like as much as I was trying to make sense of things and move forward, I also wasn't really very accepting of my situation. And I... I didn't feel like I really was in anger or um, I didn't feel like I was experiencing that part of grief, but then he sat and looked at me and said, what if I want you to decide if your, your mom's death, how is this working for you? Not against mm. you. Cause I think it was when I was talking to him, I was blaming everything on that and I was hmm. not taking responsibility of what I did have control over, and and he challenged me. You go write down how this is one of this could be one a good thing, and this could be one of the best things that have has happened to you. And- what a beautiful
2: way to reframe how's grief working for you.
0: That is amazing. That
2: is literally amazing to reframe it that way.
0: I'm in awe right
2: now of just hearing that.
0: Well, it was shocking. And at first, Miles, I was kicked because I was kind of like, excuse me. like You haven't lost your mom. You don't. It's almost like a how
1: dare you moment. Yeah.
0: And then because I'm not someone who usually – responds in anger. I was like, okay, there there's got to be something to this that I need to go. He was really helpful at getting me back into journaling because I was doing that before and writing down my gratitudes every day and he just helped me kind of piece some of those strategies or those daily little habits back in. And then I did, I started journaling and dumping everything I felt and it was so therapeutic and it helped my focus so much to see too, that that's, yeah, it's a hard thing and it's, it's a really crappy thing, but it also doesn't mean that everything ends and that there still can be joy and I can still have progress and that I, I can celebrate the fact that I had such an amazing person in my life that it rocked my world that much when I lost her. How lucky am I to have that kind of a mom?
1: Yeah, Wow. What a great perspective. What a blessing. I mean, that's an amazing perspective. I love what you just talked about there, that seeing it from that perspective, that some people, when they lose people, it doesn't rock them like that. But what a blessing it is that you had somebody that was so loving, so giving, so magnetic, that it did rock your life like that.
0: yeah. And it, it helped me change how I even viewed her death. Cause it was, she was very, she was young and it was very fast. Right. But I thought, you know what? That woman lived her life the way she wanted to, even with five years of dealing with cancer. I mean, the, the day before she went into the hospital, she was at Disneyland doing what she wanted, even though hmm. she probably shouldn't have been there. And she, she kind of knew, but I think she also knew it was the end and she lived a life on her terms and was happy and having fun and serving others. And even when she was sick, she was so worried about the imposition it was putting on us. Like I learned in the four week window of her being in intensive care and hospice to when we lost her, I learned so much about what, what priorities should be How you treat people, how when you're putting others first, it's you're happier no matter what your situation looks like. And it it was it helped me see all the blessings that are not just me, but my entire family went through. You you couldn't trade that
1: experience for a million dollars.
0: And you can't learn it any other way. Right. Yeah. And it it did help me learn that, you know what, these crappy things, sometimes we think we can go around them or we could shortcut our way again. Like how with exercise and diet, there is no Mm. shortcut. You've got to, you got to go through it and you will come out the other side and you will be stronger for it. I'm a much better trainer for it. I am a much better mom And and it's helped me. I've had this short window with my girls because I only have two kids and they're both leaving in August to move out on their own to go to college. And so even though I always thought, you know, once my kids started school, I'd be able to go back to work full time and and I still have it. In fact, I feel like I work less now than when they were even in elementary and junior high and they're self-sufficient, but they need me in other ways and i want to be there for those moments and be present and help them as much as possible and so maybe once they move out i will go back and that's why when you said steve i when i started doing the group training thing it mm. wasn't at first it wasn't for them it was for me i after i had kids i was like i don't want to be at the gym every day all day i only want to work part time mm. and Thankfully, my mom was around and she was the one that watched my girls. I wouldn't have left them with anyone else. So they were able to create this amazing friendship, not just Nana, but Nana was a best friend to them. And she knew them as well as I know them because she spent all that time with them when I was working. But then I started noticing once I got these people in groups they did better than when they were doing one-on-ones with me because the group atmosphere was more supportive to what they needed. Oh yeah, and yeah, so that, yeah. I mean, it's kind of awesome when you look at it. Sorry, the sun is now like setting. <laughs> I should <laughs> pull those lines. There we go. That's all right. Um, and so I just think it's amazing that sometimes you don't know where the blessings come from and you don't see them until hindsight and. And it, it ended up being better for them. It ended up being good for me at the time. But it, what that wasn't ever the plan. I never thought, oh, let's start doing group coaching. It was out of necessity for I wasn't going to work full time, but they all wanted to still train. And then everything spiraled with there for the group stuff. So it's, it, it,
1: it's an amazing story. I mean, to think about for someone that may not have known you 25, 30 years ago, to see where you were as a young college student that wanted to improve your health. You little by little improved your health. You lost weight. You got into better shape. And then you have maintained that for over 25 years. Yes, there's rough spots. Yes, there are challenges, but yet you've had the compassion for yourself to stick with it. And I think that's One of the biggest parts of the beauty of this story is that you take those lessons and then you teach that to other people. If we could do that across the country, Mindy, we would take this 50 to 60 percent obesity that we have in America and drop it down to 10 percent because self compassion, consistency, showing up to life in the difficulty. um, I mean, that's what it's all about. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about your story
0: no thanks Steve
1: yeah absolutely amazing well Mindy I mean what an amazing conversation we've had today I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story sharing some of this insight um, with our thank with you our thank you I mean, for
2: being boring and uninspiring and, <clears throat> you know when I get off of this podcast I'm just I'm just gonna go sit and do nothing because I am not inspired, Mindy, at all. Fall asleep,
1: yes, (laughs) absolutely. Thank you,
2: guys. Well, folks,
1: and on that note, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, Mindy Buxton, for joining us today. We sure do. Yes, yes. And our co-host, W. Miles Riley. The W doesn't mean anything. We've had a great conversation today. and We hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you in your personal evolution. Mindy, you're always doing amazing things. How can people follow you, get involved with the awesome stuff that you're doing? What's the best way for people to follow you you and get in touch with you?
0: I am most active on Instagram, and that is Mindy Buxton Body Gym. But I have a website, just MindyBuxton.com. Um, and it's B U X T O N. for some people mm-hmm. spell the other way. Um, and I'm, and but I'm for those a... that
1: don't spell too well.
0: <laughs> I always I... go
1: back to that uh, the, that Martin short. I'm not a strong swimmer. I'm not a strong swimmer. I don't spell too well.
0: Yeah, but on my website, it has all the information about the four week challenges I do. Um, there's links to get your own body gym if you want one of those there if i can get back to being consistent with posting sometimes i'm not very good at doing a blog anymore because i do instagram mainly so yeah, that's, that's a new where, blog that's where i'm most active but my website you can find anything you need to all my contact info is there
1: awesome and great resources i mean uh, the old blog posts everything you have there great resources we don't need to reinvent the wheel we just have to get better at driving down the road well, Mindy Buxton, thanks for joining I us. Did. And folks, hey, do us a favor, will you? Go smash the stars on or give us a rating on whatever app it is that you're listening to us on. It helps us at the Evolve podcast to attract more amazing guests like Mindy. Um, so we really appreciate your ratings. Uh, Miles, what's new at Evolve?
2: Well, folks, the store is filled. We have something for everybody, whether it's a T-shirt, a tank top, a coffee mug, a water bottle, head, um, headgear. So get on over, find something that speaks to your soul, pick up something, have fun with it, and uh, you know, get on over to our shop. Pick it up.
1: Join the Evolve Tribe and make sure that you guys are are representing your personal evolution. But remember, guys, it does take time and consistency to evolve. Before you do so, you have to disrupt. You've got to create some sort of disruption in your life in order to evolve your mind, evolve your body, evolve your soul, or evolve your tribe. You're fantastic, but now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.
2: And evolve. Evolve.